Welcome to the 20th episode of the Invincibly Super Massive Comic Book Podcast of Stuff. I'm Tony Guerrero, the editor-in-chief of ComicVine.com, and we have the return appearance of someone who was actually in studio for one of our early episodes. We have the writer extraordinaire of Nightwing, I almost called you the boy wonder, Kyle Higgins. <laughs> How you doing, Kyle? I'm 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 better now that you didn't call him the Boy Wonder. <laughs> well, he's no longer the Boy Wonder, so I don't know. I, I feel like he's pretty he's pretty wondrous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he's a, he's a boy. I that always that, see that that's the thing that bothers me in some comics. So it's like I get that you have a lot of these boy characters, you know, like, like Superboy or, or your Kid Flash, but. You know, I think about like you know because I taught like high school and because I was a teenager. It's like what teenager? You hold on a second. You were a teenager. I was a teenager once upon a time. You oh know, my god! It was a while ago, maybe, but they had the written language back then. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty cool. Comics I mean, it was, were being, comics were being published. Yeah, it's like cutting edge stuff, man. Um, it just like you know, paper. You know, they, they came out on paper. You know, black and white was new. Yeah, and they, they had staples in them. You know, to, to keep to keep the pages together. It's really cool stuff. But I just I, I find it hard to believe that like a teenage would take on a superhero name and call themselves something boy or lad or kid. I just I, I don't think they would do that. Well, I, I have a bigger I guess I, I would go one step further and say I remember being 13 years old, 14 years old. Uh, there is no way in hell I would be wearing short shorts and pixie sure. boots. Yeah. So <laughs> I feel like there are a lot of. Uh, a lot of of the times um, aspects to that character, but I guess there are no more um, shorts and pixie boots now in a new Fifty Two. That is that is accurate. Yes, that's yeah. correct. Because we we saw in, in Nightwing Zero and all, all and uh, Red, what Red Hood and the Outlaws were just the flashback or whatever. So pixie boots are extinct now. There's yeah, there's a there's a ban on pixie boots. <laughs> <laughs> The suppliers of uh, the Pixie Boots supplier of the New Fifty Two uh, sadly went out of business. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that was always an odd, and and that's the other thing. You know, you, I know so many people have brought it up. It's like you know, Batman was always you know a dark costume in the shadows, and then he gets a, a, a sidekick who's wearing yellow and red and green. It was basically like yeah, a big giant yeah. target, and you he's know, wearing, pst- like he's wearing like big like primary colors that like. Hey, the night. Look at me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I guess that could be a thing where, you know, Batman could be the dis- or Robin could be the distraction and then Batman will come behind him and, you know, knock him out or something. But well, yeah, he's like, uh, he's the human shield for yeah. Batman. Yeah. You, you go over there and then I'll, I'll hide behind, <laughs> I'll hide behind a dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, and then that was interesting. Cause then when he got the, the yellow emblem, Batman, you know, then they, they showed that, you know, that was like Kevlar protection. So he wanted a target on his chest so that the thugs would shoot. If they were going to shoot him, they would shoot him in the chest and not the head. So, you know, that made some sense, I guess, if, if Robin wasn't around. Well, I mean, it makes as much sense as 
you know, Kevlar without any ceramic plating being able to stop around straight to the chest. I mean, <laughs> you know, like, uh, but yes, yeah, it, it, it works in comic, uh, in, in comic, uh, it's word of, not terms, but, uh, it, yeah, it, it works. It works in comics. Yeah. Yeah. You know, speaking of Kevlar best, best and all, all that stuff. Um, I think I brought this up somewhere at some point. I always find it kind of odd that like you see in the movies and TV shows, you know, when someone gets shot and they're wearing a vest, what's the first thing they do? Do they, I don't know. Do they grab their chest? They, 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 well, they always like open up their shirt or their jacket, whatever. And, you know, part of it is like to show us that they're wearing the vest, but it's always like, it's like, oh, there's a bullet. And, and, you know, some people, it's, it's like, no, because of the impact and, you know, it's hard for them to breathe or something like that. But it, I always find it kind of odd. It's just, you know, they're, they're there on the ground and then they like rip open their shirt to show that they're wearing a vest. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think, I mean, look, the times I've been shot in the chest with a Kevlar vest are few and far between. However, um, <laughs> I, I would stand to believe that the, the force and impact, uh, of such event is not going to um, allow you to, to open your shirt. I mean, you're going to be you're going to be wheezing uh, for some serious air. I mean, you're going to crack ribs. It's going to be it's going to be pretty brutal. Yeah, because so, they, they say it's like like a bowling ball or you know something on your chest. Yeah, yeah. So something like that. Yeah. So I hope I, I never actually find out. I don't want to know. I don't. I don't need to know. Um, so I guess we should talk about, um, this comic coming out today called Nightwing. So number 18, um, this is this, this, I'm going to say, you know, okay, there will be some tiny spoilers. We'll hold off for a bit, um, because we want people to make their way to the comic store or, you know, get them digitally through the DC app or Comixology. Um, so there... We'll say I'm going to say right now, big stuff's happening. It's like this is huge ish turning point. Would you, would you agree with that turning point for for Dick Grayson? Um, without yeah, without I mean, without getting into it, we won't get into it just yet. I think it's definitely um, it's definitely an important event. Um, the twist at the end of the issue is definitely something that um, is going to be. Uh, defining the direction for the foreseeable future. So in that regard, yeah, I would totally, excuse me, I would totally say um, turning point. I just hesitate, I hesitate to use the word turning point because I feel like that's like, that's been kind of like branded on our book for like every, every couple issues. It's like, here's a big turning point. So I like, I hesitate to use that, that word, but um, you know, hopefully if I do my job right, um, with this story, well, if Brett and myself, if Brett and I do our jobs right, uh, if we do our jobs right, there we go. Can you believe they painted put words together? I can't even like <laughs> dramatically string together a few, like a sentence. Um, so if Brett and I, if we do our jobs right, it'll hopefully when you look back on our run, you'll say this was definitely a big, you know, seismic shift uh, to the book that really started to define it um, for what people remember and you're talking so, about about brett booth correct yeah brett booth so so issue 18 here uh or issue 19 actually yeah. so the next so next month so in april 
his uh, his Breckwood's first issue. Yeah, because he he's posted some like character sketches on his blog. I mean, he's constantly doing. I don't know how he finds the time, but like like pretty much like every week he he posts just like random character sketches, and it's it. I love that because you know I I post a weekly article just where you know from all the artists blogs and tumblers i i think it's great when you have an artist like you know he he's been doing teen titans and you know now he's doing nightwing but i love when he, he'll do like spider-man or you know he draws some character that you know he's not working on so it's it's great seeing and and he's also he's done a lot of like character designs in a new 52 like him and jim lee you know i, I don't know if the higher-ups just say hey you know we're thinking about a new look for so-and-so and then we're like well what do you think of this or that so i i, I think it's I don't think he gets enough enough credit, is is what I'm trying to say. So I'm trying to put the words together too. But, I mean, <laughs> yeah, Brett's um, Brett's really really good. Um, you know, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't that familiar with his work um, before the New Fifty Two. I like I you know I had heard the name, but I don't know that I'd ever actually seen anything from him. So when because yeah, I was not a big I was not a big image guy growing up, so um, I just wasn't I just wasn't that familiar, but. Uh, one of my one of my best friends is a huge huge Brett Booth fan. So once uh, once he was announced on Teen Titans uh, number one for the New Fifty Two, like I was getting like all these text messages from my friend Ryan saying like Brett Booth is doing Brett Booth is doing the Teen Titans, and uh, you know as time went on and you know we started to see I started to see more character sketches from him and everything. Like it was definitely in the back of my mind like oh wow he would he would do a killer job on Nightwing someday. If uh, you know if Eddie ever um, if Eddie ever leaves the book or has to leave the book, and so um, so yeah, I mean this has been in the works for a little while, I guess. I mean Brett and I are actually uh, Brett's drawing uh, issue twenty one right now, yeah twenty one. Wow. So we're we're pretty far ahead, um, you know, and, and I'm I'm staying I'm staying pretty far ahead script wise too, and so it's a, it's a lot of fun. Like it's you know it'll be. A, uh, should be quite a few consecutive issues in a row for us. You know? That's so, great. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully, um, you know, like I said, hopefully the storyline um, definitely draws people in and and um, and does you know Brett's tenure on the book justice. So yeah, because um, I, I I do remember him from like the, the image Wildstorm days, um, and I, I think that was when I was kind of cutting back a little bit. So, I, you know, I didn't see a lot of his stuff, but I remember I think he did like, like backlash or, you know, some other characters and then, backlash was the big one. yeah. And then, um, it's like, you know, he, he, I don't think he did anything for a while. And then I remember him coming back on this, um, Anita Blake. I think that was the name. It's like mm-hmm. this vampire. Um, it's a series of novels. Um, I forget the, the, the lady's name, something Hamilton or something like that. Yeah, and, I know the Anita Blake stuff. Uh, he he worked on that with uh, with his wife actually. Yeah, so I, it's like I never heard of this this series of books, and and this was um like back in two thousand six when <clears throat> two thousand six two thousand seven when when um Comic Vine first started. And I remember this this one user um that I met over on the the Wizard um forums before we started, and you know she was into it, and you know so I you know I I read some of the the, the series. I remember seeing his art. It's like wow. It's like you know where's he been? And so yeah, it's great to see him on your book. Um, yeah, and the pages look. I mean, the pages look great. I mean, they really do. Um, there's there's a sense of energy and and, and you know, everything is is very very dynamic. So 
you know, it's a lot of fun to write for. You know, I just did, um, I just did all the lettering for, uh, for issue 19 and, um, you know, it, it was, it, it was a lot of fun. It really was, um, you know, Dick Grayson is smiling a lot. So, uh, so, <laughs> which is, which is cool. Um, and it, that sounds like a little thing, but, um, you know, um, the stuff that, that I was doing with Eddie was definitely, um, was definitely a bit darker in the way that, um, it, it made, it fit Eddie's art, you know, it fit Eddie's style of, of being much, much moodier. Um, and not to say Brett stuff isn't moody, but it, it, there's definitely, uh, you know, a little bit, there, I would say there's, there's a lot of fun in, in Brett's artwork as well, which, um, for me with, you know, my favorite Nightwing stuff being Dixon McDaniel stuff, um, it really fits, you know, it really, I look at it and it's kind of, <laughs> brings me back a few years in a good way. Yeah. So, um, I mean, cause the, the current issues, Dick's not really smiling. Um, so, you know, we're, well, he doesn't really have a reason to smile. Yeah. That's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of the point. So, you know, we're, um, we're coming out of death of the family. So, mm-hmm. um, Joker demolished his plans to have Haley circus in, in Gotham. And of course, you know, we're, we're seeing fallout, the rec room, um, the stuff with, with from Batman Incorporated. Uh, so, so, what was it like? You know, so I, obviously you knew what was going to happen with with Damien, um, and you know you you did a great job, you know, bringing him back because you know they they have this great relationship from when Dick was was Batman. So, I mean, what was it like when when you know you knew it's like, ah, oh, crap, you know they're finally going to do this. I need to write the story now, and you know put Damien in there. I mean, was was it? hard knowing where it was going to go? Um, Did you not care about Damien? You're like, oh, whatever, you know, screw the no, kid. I, I like Damien, but I've also known, I've known about Damien's death for so long that it kind of, um, it was just kind of something that I kind of, I had accepted. <clears throat> but, but when I, when I wrote the, when I wrote the issues, I definitely, yeah, I, I definitely dug, dug a little deeper um, and you know, it, 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 it affected me a little bit writing him. I mean, he's a fun character, and, and he's someone who Dick has um, has a solid relationship with. I mean, I know we we haven't seen very much of their dynamic in the New Fifty Two, um, and you know, part of that is because you know, there's definitely a, there's definitely a, a desire to not reference. We, we basically we're trying not to reference old continuity um, just because you know in my mind it's it's um, it's cleaner you know if it's, if it's new 52 and yes like all everything happened and everything with, with Dick and Damien happened as their time as Batman and Robin together but um, for me it was a little it was a little tricky trying to figure out how to reference that they were Batman and Robin and not have it be confusing for you know Within the new Fifty Two, so so you didn't we didn't see as much gaming in the book as um, as it you know it as would have been fun to you know, explore a little bit more. Yeah. But uh, issue seventeen and eighteen were definitely my chance to to kind of dive in a little bit. And my idea behind it was that if if um, essentially everything in Dick's life is falling apart, um, uh, you know, to me he, he's he's the type of character who would always you know he's he always through you know, good times and bad has a smile on his face, or at least tries to. There's something kind of interesting about that, that idea of, you know, the guy who 
um, is trying to be upbeat and stoic because that's what people expect him to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and Damien being the one to see through it and, and also being the one to say, like, it's okay. Like, it's okay to essentially lean on people, you know? And uh, that's what makes you who you are is you surround yourself with people. And Damien is essentially saying, like, I'm here. Like, let's, like, we can do this together. Like, you don't have to do it by yourself. And so Damien's kind of like the light at the end of the tunnel and then that gets, that gets torn away um, as well. So um, issue 18 really... You know, without getting too spoilery, I guess, up front, but um, <clears throat> I really approached it from a standpoint of really wanting to see Dick dig deep um, to find the resolve to kind of you know, pick himself back up again after after this event. Um, and, uh, yeah, just as he does, <laughs> just as he does, things take a turn, um, as they always do at the end of the issue and uh, that's definitely going to be the uh, hopefully, hopefully it's, a, it's a cliffhanger that people uh, don't see coming and didn't see coming I guess that by, by the time this runs you know it'll, the issue will, will already be out I'm assuming um, hopefully they didn't see it coming and, and hopefully uh, it leaves them uh, excited for, uh, for April yeah definitely um, going, going back to what you said about like the, the old continuity you know, I, I do like how it's it's being handled with with you guys because you know Batman, you know Batman and Green Lantern are like the, the the two exceptions where pretty much everything has happened. Now, obviously, because of other things happening, certain stories couldn't have happened with Batman. And I like that how you guys are aren't, aren't flat out saying this hasn't happened. Like like with Superman, you know, we know New Krypton didn't happen. And, you know, because you know, Supergirl just just arrived, so you know, all that story is erased. I I would rather you guys not mention something, and that way, you know, people like me, readers, can just say, okay, maybe this did happen. You know, it's not really clear when it could have happened in that that five year time, but as long as it's not like flat out stated, this did not happen. Then you know, we, we can still hold on to that that story. You know, if if we or that that whatever event. And you know that that's what I like. And um, what what I did like with issue one, it was like page one. You know, you 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 pretty much made it clear. Yes, he was Batman. You know, right before. You know, it mm-hmm. it you didn't. Str- I don't think you like straight out said it, but it, it was you know a pretty good indication. And no, I think I think I did. I think we did straight out say it. I'm um, I'm actually like I'm pretty certain we did because that okay. was actually the, that was actually the thing that was a. That was a that was a point um, in that issue where we were we talked we had a long you know conversation about it about like well are we referencing that he was Batman are we not referencing that he was Batman this is coming out literally a month <laughs> after you know the final issue of Gates of Gotham the final issue of Scott's Black Mirror like well, what are we doing you know so I, I'm pretty sh- I'm pretty certain that we no I know we did I know we said that we did. okay I have to go back. So, and yeah, but um, as far as the, the rest of the continuity and, and um, not explicitly saying whether you know, something happened or didn't happen, um, yeah, I mean, that's just that's a taste thing um, for me. I mean, I, just, I, I, I kind of prefer it that way, you know. Um, I, think, and I think Tony, you and I have talked about this before, but <clears throat> as fans, like, I know I've, as a fan, I've, I've kind of always built continuity in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if there's, 
there are there are kind of seminal stories that I go to for my continuity with the character. And uh, as a writer, if there's a story from the old continuity that's going to inform or aid what I'm currently doing, then it makes sense to reference it. Yeah. However, if there's a story that is not going to aid things or may throw things off, um, I'm not going to reference it. You know what I mean? So it's like, it, it doesn't make sense to explicitly say, like, well, this did not happen. Um, of course, now that I've said that, I'm sure I'm going to come up with a, <laughs> with a situation pretty soon here where I have to go in and say, actually, this did not, uh, well, the, the cliffhanger at the end of 18, actually, is probably a uh, Probably a pretty good uh, counterexample to that because yeah, I think a lot of people are going to wonder how things fit continuity-wise when they see the end of eighteen. So, yeah. but even like you know, with, with like Dick's time and the Teen Titans, you know that that's all up in the air because the way it is now, there were no Teen Titans before, or they weren't referred to as the Teen Titans, and you know, because right. even that it, that. Um, I, I don't know if we – I think we might have touched on this last time you were here where it was later you know, stated that you know, that the current New 52, the one that, that Tim formed, that that was the first team called mm-hmm. the Teen Titans where, right. where like it was the first issue or something like that or so, somewhere where, where the narration box says like, oh, this is going to be you know, the short, shortest – um, incarnation of Teen Titans ever or something like that. And then, you know, later that was removed from the trade or something like that. But with, with that, I like to pretend that some of those adventures still could have happened. Cause you know, we, we saw, I think it was Red Hood number six where mm-hmm. Dick, Corey and Roy were together. So I, right. I, I like to think maybe, maybe they still hung out with Cyborg, even though, you know, he's went straight to the Justice League, you know, maybe in that five year time, the Justice League only went on, you know, 10 missions and you know cyborg was just you know sitting around the whole time and you know maybe he hung out with people closer to his age and right but of course since beast boy was introduced in ravagers i think which i'm not really reading that series um so you know that then that kind of wipes out some stuff and then there's just still the whole thing it's like well what about wally what about donna and with, with them i i like to pretend that those characters still exist somewhere that you know, and I've said that you know maybe Wally's in London doing his own thing. You know, we we don't know. You know, where's Donna? Maybe she's doing something. So maybe you know, unless it's specifically said, nope, they they don't know him. They never existed. Maybe they're still out there. Those stories still kind of happened, and and yeah, right, right. Well, so, now you're gonna say nope. You're wrong. <laughs> never. No, happened. no. I'm just thinking. I'm thinking like I may contradict myself now because. Because I, I definitely, there's definitely a point here where, as I've been writing the series, um, you know, in my mind, especially going forward with the, the end of issue 18, there's definitely, this is definitely me redefining things in the new continuity. So, um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I, I understand the, uh, I understand why, you know, a lot of people are, you know, still talk about the continuity and, and wonder where some of these characters are and, and also um, whether, you know, past missions happened or didn't happen. And, um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really have an answer for it. I mean, I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not looking know, I, for one, but. No, 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 I know. I guess, I'm, I guess what I'm saying, I was like, um, 
I, I basically try when I can. I, I try to not explicitly say what did or did not happen, unless you know I have unless, unless they're in my story. I'm, I said I have to you know just for the sake of the story, you know. So, um, but other than for the sake of the story, um, in my mind, there's you know I'm not going to go and and really dive into explicit detail. So about the past. Yeah. And um, this isn't really a spoiler from issue 17. So we did see the dealer is back. So yes, yes. He was from the black mirror story. So that again, reiterates that, that, yeah, that, that story did happen. You know, Dick was, uh, you know, Batman and and went up against, you know, all that stuff, but yeah, totally. And and that's something, yeah, all that stuff, um, that stuff totally, all the era with, with Dick as Batman and, and um, you know, and Scott's run as well as Grant's. I mean, that's as far as I'm concerned. That's that's pretty that's pretty strong canon. Yeah. You know. But then that the problem is, and um, Scott touched on this a little bit because um, we did an interview for Zero Year where it's like you know Batman Year One. Um, that kind of sort of couldn't have happened the way it happened before with. You know, the, the five-year timeline and with James Jr. being, you know, around now, you know, it, it, there, there's no way he could have been an infant five years ago. And, oh, oh, yeah, that's and, true. And, like, Catwoman's, you know, changed history, which I don't even know what's going on over there. Um, so that that's that's the bad thing where, you know, it... it yeah, it, I, I guess. I mean, again, it's it's... It's a small it's sacrifice. Like, it's kind of like a time travel movie. Like <laughs> at the end of the day, it's kind of like you know there are there are paradoxes and there are things that are different and things that are the same. And sometimes you know the universe course corrects. I mean that's probably the best way to think about it. So like you know James Junior. He needs to exist. He needs to he needs to bend in the Black Mirror story. Which you know I, I understand where you're coming from um, or what 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 you mean by that. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not complaining. Um, I mean. It is it is a problem, but I'm not going to be like, oh, this sucks. You know, I, I'm I know it's it's an unfortunate side effect of you know having a new Fifty Two, but it is what it is. You know, I'm I'm not going to say you know they ruined this past story because you know you can also look back as that that story still exists. You know, I I still have my issues or I have the trade right. collection. You know, right. so it's it's still there. It's just well, you just don't don't sit and think about it too much and you know right. worry about right. it. So, but you know I, that that's fine because um, you know I, I think a lot of people are happy with the new Fifty Two, and you know there's people complaining, but for for the most part, I mean it it has in some ways cleaned house a little bit, you know, w- with having all this continuity, and and yeah, there are other concerns, I guess you could say about you know what has or hasn't happened, but I, the the main thing, is, and I'm assuming this has brought in more readers you know, that they're, they're still sticking around. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know like, you know, in the case of Nightwing, like, um, I think, I think the, the numbers are, are pretty solid. I mean, I think that, um, obviously, you know, we've been aided by Court of the Owls crossover and Death of the Family crossover, but, um, you know, I don't know that, um, you know, I I was going to say, I don't, I don't know. I, Nightwing's numbers, I would imagine, or, or I think, if I understand right, are, are higher than they they were in the previous series. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, but I don't know that for sure. I actually, so I shouldn't say that. I think so. Yeah, but I I, I don't dwell too much on the numbers, even though you know I probably should, you know, for for what I do. But I yeah I don't I don't yeah I don't I don't I don't pay too much attention to them. Um, I mean I'm I I, <laughs> I mean it's time that I need to I need to be spending figuring out um, you know how to make the the story as compelling as possible. Some. So, um, see, I don't want to get into just the spoilers just yet. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm see. So we're, we're, we're about 30 minutes into the, the podcast. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe we should hold, actually let, let's hold off just a, a little bit more. Um, okay. <laughs> we'll tease people cause there, there's a spoiler. People are, could still be, you know, on, on their way to the comic store while, while they're listening. Um, so you're you're you you directed a movie. Let's talk about that because I don't I don't know if I've ever heard you really talk about that. Um, I'm not you know I'm sure you have, but I, I saw you at like Emerald City. You know you you had it on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. So why don't you? Because I don't know if a lot of people are aware of that. I mean, you know maybe they are. Um, so why don't you explain? It's it's sure. it's, it's the league, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's called um, it's called the league. And it was my college thesis film. So uh, a couple years ago, when I was at Chapman University, I wrote this. Um, actually, in order to get into Chapman, I, I had to show a writing sample, and they wanted a three-page prose piece. Um, I don't remember what the what the topic was, but I ended up spinning the topic into the story about a um, like a medical, like an ER room. Uh, in a city like you know overrun by superheroes and masks and vigilantes and you know power people and villains and the whole thing and so the story took place in this ER room with all of these you know superheroes that are in there with injuries while this huge like you know apocalyptic battle is going on outside and it got into this idea of like there being a superhero labor union um and so it was it was very much a, a comedy piece and um the film department really liked it, and, and so they accepted me for the film program. And within the first semester of being there, um, I got involved doing a couple of short films, um, post-production, like all the sound design for them, because that was my background, was really post. Like I, I, I've been making movies since I was like seven or eight years old, um, but in high school, I got really into, into post-production and editing visual effects and record design and... and um, you know, color grading, and, um, sound design, pretty much, pretty much everything in post. And so when I came to Chapman, I had this big background in sound design and, uh, no one at Chapman really did sound design. There were like three or four of us. So I picked, you know, whatever project seemed the coolest to work on. And the first one I picked was, um, a film by my friend, uh, Bobby Glicker called, uh, The Descendant. And it was this big over the top in the vein of Sam Raimi action horror film and I saw what what it looked like compared to some of the other thesis films at the time just in terms of scope and um, it, it and, and, and ultimately what it the doors that it opened for Bobby um, in, in Hollywood as a as a, an up-and-coming director and so I thought about what I wanted to do as a thesis film in a few years and I realized that I, I really wanted to take a shot like I wanted to do something big it's something that, you know, I could use as a calling card possibly. And also something that 
that I really would love because I'm going to have to live with this thing for, you know, a year to two years. And, um, you know, if it's bad, I'll have to live with it even longer. <laughs> so um, the film that I came up with was uh, based on my short story that I wrote to gain acceptance into the film school. And I figured uh, the reason that I was into, I got into movies in the first place was because of uh, the Superman film, Superman 1 and 2, um, which I grew up on, the Richard Donner versions. Mm-hmm. And uh, although I guess Superman 2 was the, the, the Dick Lester version, actually. Um, and, uh, and Batman. And I found comics and movies through those, those films. And so I decided, you know what? I don't know that I'll ever get a chance to make a superhero movie, like professionally. And so, you know, screw it. Like, I'm going to take my chance now. I'm going to do it. And so I wrote, I put together this whole, um, this whole project and, and, uh, we, we shot it for, um, for about 40 grand. Um, it's a big superhero noir, um, set in the 1960s in Chicago. Again, about the superhero labor union of Chicago. And, uh, yeah, it took me, it took me about a year to do from, um, from script to screen. And afterwards, um, it's actually how I got into writing comics. Um, Joe Casada got a hold of it and, uh, and reached out to me and he seemed to really like it. And, and we started talking about possibly pitching at Marvel and, um, you know, it took about, uh, it took about 10 months before I landed a one shot, but, uh, but ultimately I did. And, uh, that was kind of the beginning of, uh, where I'm at now. So, and the film is actually, if anyone wants to check it out, um, it's on, uh, you can get it through iTunes. Um, but you can also see a trailer for it at, we have a website. It's, uh, theleaguefilm.com. Hmm. Now, have you ever thought of like expanding on, on the story, you know, this, this universe that you set up, like, you know, doing your own, like, you know, create your own book and. Yeah, actually, um, Rod Reese and I, Rod, who is, um, I met him, uh, when he, he was coloring Nightwing for the first, uh, first 16 issues. Um, Rod is an amazingly talented, um, painter. And, uh, so he is, he and I are doing a big, uh, creator on series of the league. So we're working on like the first 40 pages of it right now. Um, actually, I have to, <laughs> have to write some new pages for him. Um, and, and Rod will be doing the whole, the whole piece in, in kind of like Bill Sienkiewicz uh, meets Phil Noto style. Um, a lot of watercolors, a lot of mixed media. Um, and it, that we should be done with those first 40 pages by, uh, by July or August. Um, and so... You know, that'll be, we're not sure where we're going after that. Um, this is kind of a trial run for us, but it's definitely something that we've talked about um, wanting to do as a, you know, this would be the beginning of either a mini series or an ongoing series where, you know, we would take breaks in between each arc. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we have, um, I had this whole, like, this whole series outlined with um, my co writer, Alex Siegel, who wrote. Uh, wrote the short film with me. So he and I had this whole world mapped out and outlined and, and um, we spent a lot of time on it a few years ago. And so it's, it's pretty cool to be able to go back to it now and, and, um, and uh, really kind of, you know, revisit these characters that, you know, it's a few years later and, and 
both he and I are, you know, at least I think are much, much better writers than we were. And, um, you know, I've, I've written, written a lot of comics in that time. Um, so it's, it's, it's pretty, it's interesting to go back and see, you know, it's almost like looking at work that you don't remember creating, um, and, and saying, Oh, that's not, that's not too bad. Or, wow, that's, that's terrible. And, uh, <laughs> and basically getting, you know, I'm getting a second crack at it now. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah, because I, I was gonna say, I was you know, NASA's like, you know, what else are you working on? Because uh, you you had a, um, a, a supreme power at Marvel, in two, that was what 2011, right? And and I know you, you did some of the, the Masters of the Universe digital comic, mm-hmm. which that was cool. Um, and you also did a, a Vision origin book last year at, at Marvel. Yeah. Yeah, well, that that one was funny. That one I wrote. Um, Alec and I wrote that issue, the Vision one shot, like back in. Been, we wrote that in like February, January and February of like two thousand and ten. Wow. Maybe it was. Well, hold on, let's see. Because our first issue of Captain America came out in December of 2009. Yeah, so we wrote it. We wrote it in like January or February of like 2010. But it took like it took a year before it came out. So, um, so that was cool. That was, that was actually that was another instance of like we you know when we finally went to print and we saw it, we're like oh wow this is. You know, this is pretty cool. This is we don't remember writing this. <laughs> so, or and, I didn't. Uh, and luckily, his origin didn't change since then. <laughs> yeah, well, it was it was fun. Um, you know, I like that character a lot, actually. Yeah, it was a great cover. So, oh yeah, that's um, that cover was uh, by Marco um, Diverzcheck or Howard. I don't. I never know how to say his name. Yeah, I don't. I I uh, don't say his name. <laughs> that's how I say it. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a gorgeous cover. I, I love his art, his work too, and and the interiors are are, are gorgeous as well. They're by um, oh gosh, what is what is his name? Uh, uh, he's a French artist. Uh, uh, Manny Medeiros. No, 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 no. He did production. I'm, I'm I'm trying to look it up now. I'm cheating. Um, as as, as we talk, um, let's see. Uh, where is it at? Um, oh, Stefan. Per- yes, Perger. Or Perger. 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 Yeah, something. P e r g e r, and I think there's a there's a um, there's an accent in there somewhere. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no. Um, as far as what I'm doing now, um, obviously Nightwing. Um, I've got something else coming up that should be announced um, in the next uh, the next couple weeks. And then uh, the league is creator-owned, and then I'm putting together actually another creator-owned. Um, that it's it's still early stages, but um, it's a chance to work with an artist that I've worked with before. Mm-hmm. So I'm very very excited at that. Um, not sure when we'll be able to talk more about it, um, but but there's that. And then um, I'm actually really trying to. to get back into the film side of my, of my life. So I'm going to be, um, I'm going to be shooting some new stuff this year. Um, and working with, uh, a couple of my friends again, who, uh, they started a, a big visual effects company called Ember lab. 
when they started actually I think the, the league was the first project that they did um, we all knew each other in college and so now they've, they've completely blown up like it's they do all this work for, um, for Coca-Cola now and um, they're, they're actually finishing a film of their own it's called Dust and it's, uh, it's Mike who's the, the main one of the main you know the main two guys at the, the company um, it's his technically his college thesis film it's his this huge fantasy film and they shot a lot of it in, um, in Japan mm. and it's just it's, it's just absolutely gorgeous so um, so it'll be fun to, to work with them again on, on some, some stuff and uh, yeah I'm just trying to just trying to keep making things you know that's, that's the name of the game so alright um, are you going to be at WonderCon? mm-hmm okay yeah I'll be down there um, and uh, I don't have a table but I'll be I'll be wandering at least for part of the time, okay. and then uh, and then I'll be at C two E two next month. And then actually, C two E two is like three days after um, our first issue of Nightwing in Chicago. It's mm. yeah. I was I was gonna bring that up because that's like perfect, um, perfect place to promote it. Yeah, I mean, we didn't. It's funny, like it, that's just kind of how the timing worked out um, when we just based on when issue nineteen when we were going to make the move, um, it just ha- so happened that C2E2 was like right around the corner. So at first I, I thought that C2E2 was going to be before the issue, the issue came out. Um, but it's, it's, it's not, it's, you know, it's like a couple days after. So, yeah. so it'll be cool. So there'll be, there'll be nightly in Chicago, in Chicago, while we're in Chicago. You should have a C2E2 exclusive variant cover. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. That's that stuff's uh, that stuff's above my pay grade. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, no idea because you said you had something else that's going to be announced next few weeks. So you don't know if it would be like at WonderCon or C two E two or. Oh, I don't know. I I know. I'm not sure. Um, I just know. You know. I know they they mentioned that it might it might be announced uh, at some point here, but I'm not really sure when. Well, well hopefully, I'll catch you at. Um, WonderCon, so we can do more of those videos. Oh yeah, yeah. No, those are fun. Yeah, Although I saw I saw your video today that you posted from all of us about Marvel and DC amalgam. Mm-hmm. Uh, feel like I should have had a better answer to <laughs> rather than Spider Man and Batman. I, I think that's a good one because I mean, I mean they they did do a team up um, at least once. No, maybe it was a couple times. It was drawn. It was drawn. I have it. It was drawn by Mark Bagley. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, I, I can't remember because I always see this Michael Turner um, image of, of the two of them, which I don't, I mean, I don't know if that was ever from a comic or just an image he, he did. But that, that's the fun thing about the, the amalgams is where, you know, you could, you could either take characters that are similar and try to put them together or take characters that are complete opposites and, you know, try to do something with, with them. And I, 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 that, I, I'm surprised that Marvel and DC hasn't, hasn't you know tried to whatever work out their differences and and do more because it's it it seems like it's money in the bank you know mm-hmm. it's, it's like it's like yeah i don't know and but what, whatever you know that's i don't know if it's whatever the politics are and you know we won't not have to get into that or but it just seems like whatever put these two characters together put it out there people will probably buy it and so i wonder if like i wonder if it's like technically like collusion <laughs> like if marvel and dc like 
did a big, you know, more big projects together. I've always wondered about that because they're, um, obviously they're the two biggest comic publishers. Mm-hmm. So like, is that, like, is that, I wonder if that's technically, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just, my, the creative side of my brain is running right now. Yeah. Cause you know, they, they, they did, they did it like the sporadic. I, I think like, I don't know if it was the Spider-Man and Superman. Like, I think it was like in the seventies. I don't know if that was the first one. But, you know, there would be these occasional, you know, crossovers like, you know, X-Men and Teen Titans. And, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which was great. And then the 90s, you know, we, we had a lot more crossovers. And then they went so far as like, let's combine the whole universes and, you know, take the crossover idea to, you know, a new level. And, you know, they I, I think they, they put out like 12 one shots like during that, um, like the, the Forest You miniseries or something like that. And then, then I think the following year they they put out like another, I don't remember how many of it was another twelve or ten or. Well, that that Amalgam series is how I first discovered Nightwing. That was the first time I ever saw him. Wow. Because he was fighting, he was fighting Gambit, and there was a a moment where there was a caption box talking about how um, you know Dick Grayson, former Robin to Batman, is now his own man. He was actually like Nightwing was talking to Batman. I was like, what? Like, what happened? Like, <laughs> That mystery was so like it was so compelling to me, and so I like I think like literally a week later I happened to see uh, the Chuck Dixon McDaniel Scott McDaniel Nightwing series at the grocery store, and there was like it was issue fourteen I remember it on uh, on the grocery or on uh, on the stands in the grocery store, and I was like oh that's the, that's the great okay I want to see like what this is. That was my first. That was my first issue of Nightwing. And that was my first ongoing book that I really that I bought month in and month out. I tried to keep up with the X Men and tried to keep up with Spider Man before that, but they were all over the place, and it was so hard to keep track of the stories, yeah. just because they bounced from from issue or from series to series, and I never knew when they were really coming out. Now it was always a couple months behind, and but uh, but yeah, that was the first. Uh, that was when I really got into got into things. So, um, so you did. Uh Three issues of the Masters of the Universe. So, how, how the digital comic? How'd you get um, involved with that? Did based, so? Um, um, I think well, the um, the editors at, uh, at DC are they're out on the West Coast for that mm-hmm. for that book, and um, I think they they were in communication with um, with Mattel. Is is it Mattel? Yeah. Mattel does, does he, yeah. Yeah. So so they they were working with Mattel to to do these to launch the um, the ongoing series, uh, and then they wanted to do some ten page character one shots in conjunction with that. And you know I knew a couple of the, the guys out here um, on the DC side, and then they were actually they were also betting names with Mattel. And, um, Mattel, uh, they really liked my uh, my Deathstroke run, and so they said, "Yes, like he'd be he'd be awesome for this." And so, um, so that's actually that's how I got the gig. And um, it was for uh, started with Man at Arms, it was a little one shot for him. And I had this idea that him kind of being um, sent on a mission via sorceress to retrieve an object that she can't retrieve because Man at Arms is the only one of um, the core group that is not touched by magic, and so he's the only one that can go in and retrieve this, you know, magical item. And uh, I was trying to figure out what the MacGuffin was going to be. I had this idea about 
um, it being like maybe maybe Castle Grayskull originally had um, eyes, you know, gems, one in each eye, and those those two gems control time and space, and so they've been lost um, or stolen, you know, centuries ago, and one of them just reappeared, and so this is what he'd be going in search of and after he gets it. We we started talking about the idea of like the other two one shots that I was going to do if I could connect them somehow and do this kind of interlocking story. So it was a lot of fun. It was like uh, the, the second one was uh, was Evil Lynn. It was like this like kind of really straight up noir story um, about her being kind of a femme fatale and, and she uses um, she uses this uh, this disgraced member of the Eternian Guard. Who's kind of like you know, he's he's our down in his luck uh, private investigator, former cop kind of uh, you know archetype, and uh, and so she uses him, and you know he thinks he's falling in love with her, and, and she may or may not have feelings for him in the end, but uh, she uses them to retrieve the other gem, the other eye of um, of Grayskull, and then the third story follows. Um, so the good guys have one and the bad guys have one, essentially, is how things ended by the end of the second one shot. And the third story follows um, Trapjaw, and it's his origin. But uh, it, technically, what you realize in the end is that the events of his origin actually take place in between Man-at-Arms and Evil Lynn's one shots. So Trapjaw's origin is actually what set the events in motion. Or, I'm sorry... They take place before Evil Lynn and before uh, Man at Arms. So Trapjaw's origin is actually what sets in motion the events of the other two one shots. So like him figuring out or learning about um, the eyes of Gravestall, as well as his desire to enact revenge on uh, Nolar Black, who is the you know disgraced member of the Eternian Guard, who Evil Lynn, Lynn seduces. Uh, Trapjaw's desire for revenge against him is what spawns the two one-shots. So it was cool. It's this cool little, like, you know, three-part kind of non-linear um, interlocking story. And it was fun. I'd love to do more of them. I, I, those, those characters are a lot are, are a lot of fun to write. Um, I didn't really grow up on the animated series. It was, it was before it was before my cartoon-watching days. Uh-huh. But, uh, but not by much. Yeah, I, so, I, I watched some of them, I'll, I'll admit. But yeah, yeah, that's the funny thing though. They're trying to watch because um, they're on Netflix. I don't know if they still are. But uh, oh, they, yeah, no, I know. I <laughs> I went to watch to watch uh, some of them when I got the gig, and they're they're tough to get through. Yeah, because um, it was it was one night. Um, my wife and I we we decided to put Shira on for you know see what my daughter would think of it, and we were cracking up because you know they they go to this other world, you know the whatever where um, Shira was at. And you know, just just the colors and everything. My my daughter's like like why is the ground pink? And and then um, there's there's a point where it was Man at Arms. I think Prince Adam. I don't think he was He Man. But they're like riding on a horse. They're horseback, but they're both on the same horse, and they're like so close to each other because you know they don't want to fall <laughs> off the horse. Well, of course. But you know, so we're just watching this, just like, and we're like cracking up. My daughter's like, "What? What's what's going on?" And um, yeah, so we didn't make it through. I actually no, I think we did watch that first episode, and I think it was like a two-parter, and um, we we didn't watch anymore. But 
it was, it was something. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do, I, I do really dig um, the, the 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 series of comics. Um, and I will say, which maybe I shouldn't, but so James Robinson for the the mini series, he wrote the first issue, and right. then he was supposed to write the entire thing, and. I actually did an interview with him about it and you know he was talking about like things that were going to happen but then for whatever reason that ended up not not happening not you know not continuing um but it's a, it's it's a fun and I've been digging these these digital comics and I I think it's great and then um like Fieldcov did a couple um one shots out of the printed cuz he right. he did I know he did he did Skeletor and I think he did one other one um but with Skeletor, it's like I never knew he was Prince Adam's uncle. I mean, is that what it, is that what? He, yeah, because um, I because when I read that, I'm like, what? And then I I looked it up on Wikipedia, and it what I don't think it was in in the first animated series because I don't I don't know if I how long I stuck with the series when it was first on because I don't remember I don't remember when it, they stopped showing it, and I don't know like what the final episode if there was ever a conclusion or if it just you know just went away. But it's like I, I was thinking. It's like I don't remember them ever referencing that he was his uncle because I always assumed they're kind of like the same age or something like that. And so I looked up on Wikipedia, and I guess after the animated series, there was like something else that came out that came up with that idea that you know he was his uncle, and it was just it's kind of weird. Which you know kind of makes sense in a way, but it's just it's a little weird, maybe too convenient. I don't know. What? But <laughs> it, was, it was something. Um, <laughs> So so now going back to Nightwing, now you are separate from, or you will be separate from the Bat Family. So is, is that going to make things easier? Because you know you mentioned how the, the crossovers are good, but I would imagine it also can be a hindrance at times where, you know, it's like wait, you gotta you know stop what you're doing. You gotta throw in these owls and you know do this or you know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a. a it's a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been fortunate in the crossovers to this point and that um, I feel like I've, I've been able to work them into my stories in an organic way that, um, you know, I've known about them far enough in advance that I... Okay. Yeah, well, it's... Um, the crossovers for me, I've been fortunate in that I've known about them far enough in advance that I've been able to work them into my story in, in an organic way. Um, you know, they, the emotional arc that I'm putting Dick through in, in each, uh, or leading up to each crossover, typically the crossover has been able to, well, in, in the last two instances, Corey Vowles and Death of the Family, the crossover is, is kind of the culmination point of Dick's emotional arc. So like in Court of Vowles, um, the crossover was just as Dick believed that, um, you know, he's taken, taken Gotham's best shot and he's, you know, Gotham tried to break him by his history. And, uh, and so in, in this kind of hidden, you know, history within the circus. And after he gets through that, he thinks, okay, I can kind of take anything. And, and then, um, his uh, his great grandfather William Cobb basically is telling him, "Well, you really don't know the full story, you know." Mm-hmm. So so there's that, and then death of the family. Dick is trying to 
build a hopeful place in Gotham City as a result of this kind of uh, this you know, shell shock moment of William Cobb saying, you know, you were supposed to be a talent, you were supposed to be this killer for the court, and you would have enacted real change and you would have really mattered in Gotham City. And so kind of as a result of that, Dick is saying, well, all right, how can I change Gotham for the better without, you know, resorting to William Cobb's methods? And he says, you know, he starts trying to build his mile and go about it that way and bring this place of, of hope and happiness to Gotham. And he's surrounding himself with people and he's using the circus and, um, and then the Joker shows up and says, you shouldn't be here. You should be flying free. You shouldn't be building a nest and you're weak because you're hopeful, Like you're weak because you surround yourself with people and relationships. And so he tears it all down. So it's, you know, I've been able to make both crossovers work in that way. But the thing that the crossovers do kind of, um, you know, the situation that they create for a character like Nightwing is that you're constantly, um, you're, you're kind of defining him by his relationship to Batman just because he's involved, you know, in Gotham City and these crossovers, etc. So when I started thinking about coming out of Death of the Family, um, possibly moving, moving Nightwing out of Gotham, um, I didn't want to do it as a result of, you know, his emotional state or anything like that. I wanted there to be a very definite reason and a very definite mission uh, or definitive mission for him to go on that would warrant him him uh, him leaving. And that's really where the uh, the twist at the end of issue eighteen comes from. And going forward, um, you know, I'm sure I'm sure we'll there will be more crossovers at, at some point or another crossover at some point we'll be able to to connect and again and you know it'll be a lot of fun but at the same time I'm definitely looking forward to the opportunity here um, in Chicago where I'm really kind of going to be building um, Dick's Dick's own world um, and mythology that uh, you know the city I talked about this a little before but there there used to be masks and vigilantes in Chicago and there aren't anymore they're dead um, and so there's that's kind of a history of well what happened to them who killed them etc and that's something that Dick will kind of be getting involved in uh, um, but it's it's also not the reason why he's going there in the first place you know but what it does is it, it definitely provides an opportunity to to really define a new city and kind of a new world in the DC universe um, that's going to be inherently Nightwings. Okay, so before we get into um, the specifics of, of- Nightwing 18. Um, going back to William Cobb, do you plan at some point um, to to you know come back to that, bring bring the character back in, like another um, showdown? Yeah, I mean, I I, I have a story. Um, I'm not sure when I'll when I'll get to it, but there's definitely um, there's definitely another story. Yeah, he's a character that I, I really really liked uh, writing. Um, I had a lot of fun kind of developing his backstory and it, it connected into um, a lot of the stuff that we did uh, that I was able to do in Kate's of Gotham. So, so that was a lot of fun to be able to revisit that kind of that era in that world. And, uh, you know, I think he's a great villain for Nightwing, mm-hmm. uh, a, a great Dick Grayson villain. Um, so it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just kind of a matter of time because um, I, I definitely want to do more with him at some point. So, And um, what about Calvin Rose, Talon? I mean, 
because we we I mean I don't know it, I mean if you can comment or should comment on it, but it you know it's a given that at some point, which I, I'm I'm thankful I'm kind of glad that um, Talon like we haven't had the the Talon Batman crossover just yet because I I love that yes this is a, a character deeply rooted in the Batman universe I love that that he's being able he's being developed on his own but at some point you know we need to see him cross over with Batman or it's, you know, meet up with him. And the same thing with, with Dick, with his history, you know, it's, I, I'm curious, are they going to get along? Or are they going to hate each, you know, how, how's that going to play out? And I don't know if this is something you guys, I'm, I'm assuming you guys probably have talked about it at some point. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you know, James and I are, are pretty good friends. I mean, we talk, James and I talk pretty much every day over, uh, over Instant Messenger, and, and we're sharing, we share scripts back and forth, like, all the time. You know, I'm, I'm constantly having him read, um, read stuff that I'm working on, and, and he sends, you know, he sends me outlines and, and lettering scripts and everything. And so, so, yeah, I mean, we've definitely talked about, like, th- there's, a, there's definitely a story there, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, not to mention, uh, if you think about it, Dick Grayson has this book that lists every talent that was ever selected from Haley Circus. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm not saying that, that, that will be a big plot point. or if we, if we do a story, but, uh, <laughs> because we haven't talked in too many specifics yet, but, but, uh, you know, I mean, I feel like that's kind of a natural, it's probably a natural, uh, way to go. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you know, someday, uh, at some point, I mean, like I said, yeah, we, we, we've definitely talked about it, and, and um, it makes sense. But but James has James has some really big talent stories coming up, um, so you know I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does um, with the series. And you know he, I don't want to I don't want to spoil anything. Of course. Um, but uh, but yes, to answer your question about Aaron Rosen. <laughs> It's a stupid question. It's like I'm well, thinking about it. It's like why did I ask? It's like of course they're going to meet up at some point. Well, they were in they were in Haley's together actually. Like Dick would have been um, very young, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm pretty sure Aaron was chosen. Was he the one right before? No, he wouldn't have been. I don't think he was the talent right before Dick, but I think he was the one. He was chosen, and then he uh, rejected it, and so the court then would have chosen someone else from Haley's yeah. um, before Dick Grayson. But uh, I think, I think, don't quote me on that. <laughs> <laughs> I won't quote you. <laughs> but but yes, um, they were in Haley's together, and I think there's actually a scene coming up where um, where Nightwing's in. I think Nightwing's in town. Five, which is either out, which either just came out or is out next week. I think it just came out, um, and I think Dick, you know, there's there's a moment where he recognizes. It's in the previews, like I saw it online. Um, there's a moment where Dick recognizes. Um, he sees an image of Aaron, where he says he looks familiar. So, hmm. stay tuned. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Now, I I, I don't want to keep you too much longer, um, but now. And, and so, you know, I'm kind of thinking, so, so there, there's, the, a, you mentioned a twist in 18. I don't know if we should, 
t- reveal it just yet since you know people still might not have a chance to basically i i want people to go out and read this and i'm sure you want people to go out and read it because i mean you know there there's a build-up towards a twist um i don't know i don't know if we should reveal it is what do you what do you how do you feel it's your it's your your twist (laughs) you want you want to tease it some more well um i mean this is hitting after the issue is out right uh it's yeah right right when the issues out like issues out right now. So someone might, might be at work right now and like, I'm not going to the comic store until after work. Cause I got to work for the man. And okay. Well, I guess what I would say is to any, okay. Yeah, let, let's, let's, let's tease it. Let's don't, don't, don't. I mean, it may be out there. I mean, people may, you know, they're going to get excited. They're going to spoil it on the internet because that's what people do. But well, why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? Why don't we, make an announcement here and say we're going to give I don't know nine or ten seconds I don't know why I said nine we'll give like <laughs> we'll give a ten we'll give a ten second pause here where if you don't want to know or hear about the ending to Nightly 18 then turn off the podcast right now ten seconds you're going to do it in five ten... seconds what do you want well, no I mean I don't know what, what exactly you want to say and I mean ten seconds is not that long. No, 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 no. I'm saying like we'll just we'll pause things, and then we'll talk. We can talk about it. if you want to talk about the ending. We can. I I don't. I, I'm I'm almost feeling like we shouldn't go into specifics. Okay. Just just fine. to tease it. So um, let's just say it, it's the or it's a return of a character that we haven't seen in a new Fifty Two. That would be accurate. <laughs> and and it's it's going to be a big deal. It's going to... I hope so. It's, I mean, it, it's a huge deal. It's, it's going to turn Dick Grayson's life upside down. I'm going to go out I and say I that. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, it's something... Um, I had the idea for it. Um, gosh, when was that? About a year ago. And I was... Thinking about, um, or maybe it wasn't a year ago. No, it wasn't a year ago. It was, I don't know, probably probably seven, eight, eight months ago. And uh, like I said, we were talking about making a change out of death of the family, about figuring out, you know, moving to a different city and, uh, and figuring out a reason for it. And uh, as I was kind of, you know, outlining. I would want to deal with in a new city and some different, um, and different storyline ideas for Nightwing. I realized that there was an aspect to this story that I'd been hovering around the edges of it as I was kind of working to um, I'd been working to kind of figure out well how did he become Nightwing in the New 52 um, you know because issue zero really gets involved with how he became Robin but the Robin to Nightwing transition in the New 52 is something that um, with, again, as we were talking about earlier, you know, there are certain things you're saying, you know, we, we just were not referencing in terms of like, did they happen, did they not happen? But it has been pretty um, explicitly stated that, you know, the Titans didn't exist mm-hmm. um, in, in that iteration that we all know. So um, I started thinking about, well, does that mean that uh, how we became Nightwing would be different? And it, it, it probably would be. And, and uh, and so I, f- 
found a way. This is really hard to talk about without, <laughs> without saying what the ending is. Um, but I found a way that him. Let's see. How do I? <laughs> how do I say this? Basically, that was that was the that whole thought thought process for me is what led to um, the idea that's at the end of issue eighteen, which is that you know, it's something that no one has really explored in a long time. Um, and even in the old continuity, it hasn't been explored in you know, well over 20 years, maybe 30 years. Um, and so it's not, but I don't want, I don't want it to sound like it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not really going back to old continuity or anything like that. It's just, it's just an idea about the character, an aspect of the character that hasn't really been, um, hasn't really been explored in a, in a modern way. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of, I mean, is that, is that vague enough? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I see, I would, I would rather tease it and have people like, oh man, cause people, you know, they, they, I, I'm, I'm glad that this hasn't been spoiled before. Like, you know, and the solicits like, you know, you know, check out issue 18 for the return of this character, you know, something like that. And so, cause it's, it's, it, I, I think it's a big deal and I, I think it's, it's gonna make a nice, nice twist for Dick Grayson. I, I think it's exactly what he needs. Cause you know, I've talked about this before, but with his, his rogues gallery is, you know, he doesn't have a lot of um, like villains that are his own. You know, a lot of them are, are Batman villains that they, they share, which, you know, makes sense. Cause you know, they spend a lot of time together. So I, I think well, this- that's also, that's also an aspect of, again, um, location as well. I mean, like there are villains you can point to from, uh, from Bloodhaven that in the old continuity that, you know, some were more successful than others. I actually, I rather enjoyed Dudley Sums um, when he became Torque. Um, it wasn't as, and Dudley, Dudley was not necessarily a villain from the get go. He was more of, of a, of an anti-hero or a, you know, he, he walked that tightrope between both sides. But, uh, um, I also, I, I really, actually, you know, I really liked the visual of, um, what was his name? Brutal, the, the dude with all the knives. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so that's kind of a tangent. Um, but, you know, you can point to some of those villains, whether they worked or didn't work, and say, well, they were nightly villains. And I think a big reason for that is because of the location, you know, because it's Bloodhaven, it's Nightwing City. Nightwing is the, the one with the mask in that, you know, he's the only hero there. And so naturally the villain is going to be, you know, it's going to be a Nightwing villain. Now, I think the reason why it didn't work is because there wasn't a stronger connection. Um, meaning like, you know, there wasn't a strong emotional or, or even kind of um, conceptual thematic you know, connection between, uh, between Nightwing and those villains. Um, Cause that's really where, you know, the nemesis stuff comes from. Um, there's a difference between there's a difference between villains and nemesises, ne- nemesis, nemesi, <laughs> whatever the plural is, um, and and I think uh, it, it develops over time, and it also develops based off of um, either an inversion or um, or a parallel to an aspect of the hero um, that you can then you know that you then explore, and. Uh, and so I think by, you know, a lot of villains, like when you say like a lot of his villains are 
Batman villains. I think a big reason for that is just, again, it's proximity. I mean, it's when he's in Gotham city and you're, you're building new villains. Like it's, it's challenging. Um, it's challenging to build villains who are not going to be the first question is, well, why isn't he a Batman villain? Like, well, why is he a Nightwing villain? You know, and if you're in Gotham city, like it's tough to build villains that are big enough, um, to really be like seriously formidable foes to, to Nightwing when it's in a city where a lot of people start asking a question, well, if it got this big, Batman would get involved. You know, like there's, there's this kind of like this, um, perception that like, you know, Batman is the bat God, you know? So like Batman would step in when anything gets too big in Gotham city. And so, so that's kind of like my long and rambling way of saying that, um, changing, changing cities is, is going to be a, a good thing in as far as the, the villain department is concerned. <laughs> um, cause we have some, we have some characters coming up that are, are very cool. Like I'm, I'm, I'm I, I dig them, you know, um, and, and the dude, the twist at the end of issue 18 is, is just, uh, it's just the beginning. Right. That sounds good. So people definitely need to pick it up. They should be picking it up anyways, but now they have extra reason to get it. And I apologize. Yeah. I apologize people for being vague, but I, I hate spoilers and I, you know, I don't want to be the one to, to spoil it. Cause you know, even though we, we, you know, we could give a warning and everything, but for some people, you know, they, they just can't resist the temptation. And so, so there we go. But I, I, <laughs> I think it's going to be cool. And I, I strongly, strongly, strongly tell, suggest, inform, demand that people pick this up. It's, it's, it's going to change. Here's hoping, man. Here's hoping. Okay. Well, I'm going to let you go because I don't want to keep you from writing your comics or your movies and, and all that stuff. Um, I would definitely will will talk to you at WonderCon. So, um, okay. Um, and you know, we could probably talk more about this. You know, do we'll do like a video interview, and you know, you can delve more into what you have coming up, and you know, we'll, we'll get full approval from what you can or can't say or should or shouldn't say, so we don't spoil too much. Um, hey, that sounds that sounds good to me. Okay, so thanks, and everyone, um, definitely. Make sure you pick up Nightwing today. You must do it. And if you're going to WonderCon, good luck finding Kyle. He'll be somewhere. I mean, because is DC going to have a booth? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. So. And because you, so you probably don't know about any signing schedules or anything. No, I, I actually. Since you're not there official, yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure. But definitely at C2E2, will you have a table there or no? I will. I, I'll have a table with C2P2. Okay, so definitely take your Chicago-based Nightwing issue 18 or 19 by, by, by then and get it signed. And, and then you can tell Kyle how much you, you loved the twist. <laughs> All right, so um, definitely have to do this again because um, you, you can compete with, with Brian. Brian's been on three times. No. <laughs> and as far as he concerns, there's only been three episodes of this show. Right. Well, that sounds like Brian. Yeah. So you'll have to give him a run for his money to get the competition going. Cool. Sounds All right. Good, man. Okay. So I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Take care. So thanks again to Kyle Higgins. Uh, like, I, like I said, you guys check out Nightwing 18 this week today. It's, it's going to be crazy. 
Um, let's get to some questions. I, you know, we, we need to get through some of these. Um, so, Kaden, I'm actually going to save your question. I think that's a great question um, about jury duty. And I think I'm actually going to use that as an off their mind. Uh, so possibly at WonderCon. Um, I think it's a good question to see what the creators think. It's like, and the question was, do superheroes get jury duty? It's like, what the heck do they do? That, that's, that's, that's a great question. Um, Matt wing 87 says, here's another doc Ock Spider-Man theory. Did you ever watch heroes? Um, actually I, I watched heroes. I did not watch the final season. I had them all DVR'd. You know, I, I got burnt out and I, I got let down. I planned on watching them, but my DVR died. I had to get a new DVR and those episodes were lost and I never bothered to try to, to watch them. But that being said, um, I did see this part. It says, um, in Heroes, the villain Sylar was brainwashed by a telepath to think he was Nathan Petrelli, who Sylar killed moments before. He also had shape-shifting abilities, so he was also brainwashed to look like Nathan Petrelli. Because this is like typical comic book stuff. So for several months, he thought, looked, and sounded like Nathan Petrelli. But eventually, Sylar's mind was able to push through, and he remembered who he was. So I agree with you that Spider-Man is still Peter Parker, and his mind is still in there somewhere. So I have a feeling his mind will be able to push through and come back like Sylar's did. What do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, that's what I've been saying. I, I just find it hard to believe I mean, unless I miss something, and I know we're talking comic book and comic book technology and all this stuff, but I just find it hard. I don't see how putting someone's entire brainwave thought patterns, memories into someone else's mind will push their essence, their everything of them out, you know, how you can swap bodies, unless it's just like some mind zapping, transforming, but still. So I think... Superior Spider-Man, I've said this before, I'm saying it again. I think Superior Spider-Man is still 100% Peter Parker, except he has all of Doc Ock's memories that just were inserted, pushed in there. They're on the surface. So he thinks that he's Doc Ock, but he's really Peter Parker operating as Doc Ock. And that's why we still have the, the Peter Parker influence. Um, and as for, for the, the ghost form, I think that's more for our benefit and, you know, that's just Peter's natural, you know, thought process trying to gain dominance over Doc Ock's um, memories. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Mr. Fuzzy Nuts says, G-Mac. And, um, see, uh, anyways, it was uh, Captain Caveman. I, how many people out there know who Captain Caveman is? I, I Captain Caveman and the Teen Angels uh, is, is a great show. Um, anyways, question back in identity crisis, when Deathstroke faced off against a team of justice leaguers, he was playing a hunch with green lanterns ring and how it works. So he gets into a battle of wills with Kyle Rayner. It was to brief to know for sure if it would have been successful, but I was always curious, was he right on track or on the right track? At least could someone quote unquote use the ring if they're in physical contact with it and could they override the will of the user? Um, he seemed to be affecting Kyle in some way, but it was a strain of resisting him. Was it slated to cause crushing the crap out of his fingers or both? Um, it got me to think about Hal getting punked in a recent issue of Justice League and Injustice book. Um, so basically the question is, because, you know, obviously Green Lantern wears a ring. Do they really need to use, wear the ring to use it? Um, so, and if someone else touches the ring, and if they have stronger willpower, 
could they use it themselves? Um, this is, would be a good question for like, like, like Jeff Johns or, you know, Peter Tomasi or, you know, someone who's been writing Green Lanterns for a while. I'm going to say that no, um, they wouldn't be able to use it. So let's just use this scenario. So if we had Kyle Rayner and Deathstroke and let, let's say somehow, um, Kyle Rayner's incapacity knocked out something and, you know, someone Deathstroke or someone just touches the ring doesn't mean they'll be able to use it because I, I think because the ring selects its users, I don't think, and I could be missing something. I'm, I'm trying to think back to, cause I remember there was another time when I think Kyle lost his ring. Um, but I don't think someone else, I, I think the ring is programmed to the user. So I don't think if, if, if Kyle or whoever takes the ring off, leaves it on, on the, the nightstand, someone else puts it on. I don't think it's going to work for him because I think it's, it's specifically attuned to that specific Green Lantern. That's why it seeks out whoever's worthy in that sector. So I'm going to say no. Um, someone prove me wrong if, if we've seen this you know, shown otherwise. Brian Ellison says, hey, G-Man and others. Sorry, Kyle's not here for this part. Um, love the podcast and say, keep up the great work. I've just got a quick comment for you. A while back, I was working and heard uh, Tony talking about how he – taught at Jacobs High School in Algonquin, Illinois, and there was a local comic shop. So uh, to clarify again, I did my student teaching at, at Jacobs High School, and then I did some subbing in the for, – for those who know what Jacobs High School in Algonquin, that, that area in Illinois, I did um, subbing for a semester in District 300, that, that area there. Um, so, uh, so Brian Ellison says he um, – he he happened. He grew up and currently resides in Crystal Lake, and he works in Algonquin, about a mile from Jacobs. So he's happy to share that they now have a local. They have a comic shop in Algonquin called Bipolar Comics. They have issues, which is pretty clever. Um, so next time you visit, you should go check them out. Um, they take all my disposable income. Sorry for those people who have no idea what place I'm talking about. Um, so yeah, the. Because where when I when I go to visit my parents in the area, the nearest comic shop is in St. Charles. Again, for those few people who know what we're talking about, um, the Graham Crackers Comics, which is where I met uh, Matt Inferior Ego Elfring. Uh, there used to be because there used to be one in West Dundee um, by where the old roller rink used to be, Roxy Wheels. If anyone remembers that place, um, but that one was long gone, and I, I think that had actually moved somewhere else. So um, going to Crystal Lake would be going the opposite direction that cause that's going further North, a, a little further North, but yeah, maybe I'll have to check it out. Cause I'm, I'm planning on being out in the Illinois area. I'm not, not including C2E2 cause I won't be doing any visiting. I'll just be doing conventioning, but um, this summer I'm probably going to be out there. So maybe I'll make my way to Algonquin. I have to look it up because I love Love, love checking out comic stores. Um, you know, I here in San Francisco area, um, I, I go to two different comic shops. And, I, you know, whenever I'm somewhere else, I just, I love checking out a new comics. Even though I have my full pull list, you know, between the two comic shops, I'm always looking for that cool collectible that, you know, you don't see that often. Or usually, I, you know, I, I pick up so many trades, even though, you know, I, I buy all the single issues. So I will definitely check that out. I just I, and I just like seeing 
the different layouts of different comic shops and what they have and what they focus on. You know, do they have statues? Do they have action figures? Do they do posters? You know, what, what's their focus? You know, besides just the comics. Uh, Mongolian Misfits says, "Hey, G-Man, I was wondering if you could do a small mention of Jim Lawson's of Mirage's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fame's new project, which is currently being crowdfunded through Kickstarter. Um, the series is called Dragonfly." Um, so uh, Mongolian Misfit wrote an article for Bleeding Cool about this project, um, and there's a link here. So I'm on page 33 of the Ask G-Man video questions. So that's one place I didn't mention this um, at the beginning, but this is one place where you can ask me questions. Um, the other place is on Twitter. So my my um, name Twitter name is G-Man from Heck. Use the hashtag Ask G-Man. But if you go in the forums, the general forums, you'll see the Ask G-Man video questions because this used to be a video, but now it's a podcast. Um, so on page 33, you can find a link. Um, I, you know, I, because this was posted a month ago and, you know, with, with the way these questions get answered. Um, and I, I apologize again, if, you know, people are, are waiting for that. Um, the, the question is, is this still going on? Um, well, okay. Well, here's the good news. So I, <laughs> so I, I will give the shout out and there's a link here. Um, it had a goal of $5,000. And it met the goal. So congrats to James Lawson. Um, it actually made 5698 5000 that's a pretty low um, goal. Or, I mean, yeah, so so that that's great. So I guess this will happen. I don't know. It ended February 24th. Wow. So close to a month ago. So, yeah, that's a success to that. Um, check that out. Look for that um, if you are interested. So you can... It's called Dragonfly. So I'm sure if you go onto Kickstarter's website, just you know, look up Dragonfly, you'll find it. It's an adventure tale of dinosauric proportions. That's Jim Lawson that set that project. So there you go. Sorry I didn't get to that earlier, but thankfully it didn't need my help. Um, hopefully your your article played a big part in that. Um, big Al Williams. Hey, G-Man, I must have missed something big here. Why... <laughs> Why is there a black Nick Fury in the 616 universe? What's his story? I'm confused as all hell seeing him in a Marvel Now Secret Avengers. Um, so big Al Williams. This Nick Fury is actually Nick Fury Jr. Um, that's right. He is Nick Fury's son. And he was named after his father, Nick. So obviously Nick Fury Jr.'s mother is black, was black. Um this his story basically was i mean his his name is Marcus Johnson um so there there was a mini series that told his story um the 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 funny thing is is they were very secretive about the story so um it was battle scars so it was a six issue mini series and they're like this is going to change the marvel universe this is blah blah blah, blah and stuff like that and we we found out that this guy Marcus Johnson he was um he was an army ranger, and for some reason, he, he was being targeted, and there was all this stuff going on. Then his mom was killed, and he was accused of it. Um, you know, the, the series was written by Chris Yost, Matt Fraction, Colin Bunn, um, and then uh, I think it was Scott Eaton did the, the art on that. So, spoiler for the miniseries, but what we en- end up finding out that he was Nick Fury's son. No one knew about this. It was like this hidden secret that you know just a select few knew. And he 
through the miniseries, or by the end of the miniseries, he lost his eye, just like his father. Um, and then he decided to shave his head, so he looks like Sam Jackson. And now he's uh, working for S.H.I.E.L.D., and he's wearing, hopefully, if it is Captain America's old um, Commander Rogers, whatever, S.H.I.E.L.D. outfit, hopefully it got washed first. Um, so, yeah, that's that's basic his story. So, you can do a search on Comic Vine. Um, look up Nick Fury Jr. or Marcus Johnson. You'll, you'll find his page with his history there. And uh, I would imagine Battle Scars is in trade by now. So, you can... You know, read that story. Um, Gerza's Gerza's not says um, thanks for answering my last post about subscription list. Um, so there's a question. I feel like I am the only one who does not like the Walking Dead TV show. I got all the hardcovers and thoroughly enjoyed the series. So is my fiance. Um, the pace of the book really captures the reader and all of the characters fit well because of the various scenarios. Everything in the series is great. I tried watching season one, was not really digging it. I think what bothers me is that it took so long to see the governor and that he isn't imitating, he isn't this um, hated figure that was seriously twisted in the book. I heard an interview with Robert Kirkman, and it was his original intent to make the series have different outcomes to situations. But it just didn't capture my imagination like the comic. Um, every time an episode airs, my face, Facebook feed is full of posts about it, and I comment saying that the comic is better. And the response is, there's a comic? Am I alone here? I'm actually um, surprisingly a couple episodes behind, um, but I agree. I mean, I, I do really, really enjoy the show. It's it's not great. It's I mean, well, it is. It's pretty good. It's not perfect, um, but it's way better than so much other attempts at you know ad- adapting comic book products are. Um, there have been some points that were slow. So, like especially in season two, the whole thing when they're looking for Sophia. I mean, that just went on way too long in the the first half of of second the second. Um, season so it has its moments there are some gut-wrenching moments and it's it it is it's well done i think um but yeah the the governor i'm not completely crazy about him you know especially after um reading the the two novels that that deal with the governor but i mean you know maybe it's not for everyone the good thing is millions of people are watching it they should do um they should do a better job. I'm trying to think. Of, I don't recall seeing very much mention of the comic. They should have an ad, a commercial, say, hey, everyone watching, thanks for watching. Pick up the comic. And, and yeah, tons of people are reading the comics through the trades. But it, it wouldn't hurt to throw something up there besides just a, you know, characters based on Robert Kirkman's Walking Dead series or, you know, they, they should do more, more cross-promotion. So um, I, I enjoy the show. But like I said, I'm I'm a couple weeks behind, and yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what happens. I'm doing everything can avoid spoilers, but uh, you know, I'm I'm not like heartbroken that I haven't watched them yet. But I will will watch them. Um, Terry Bogard 2014 says, um, so I, I don't know if you meant this for the other podcast because you mentioned Sari and Corey who are not on this podcast. Um, here's here's a little secret thing. I'm actually going to record. This week's, which is actually last week by the time you hear this um, podcast, right after this. So it's a long day of podcasting for me. Um, so I want to know with this Age of Ultron event, which is sure to kill off someone um, like all Marvel events seem to do. Do you think – who do you think is most likely to bite the big one besides Ant-Man? Um, which I mean, I'm assuming you mean Hank Pym um, or Pym. Sorry. 
I always get, and I, I, I confuse myself now which way to say it. Um, I'm, I'm so used to saying it both ways now. And who would you rather see meet their demise in this event and be revived by the end? The strange thing, and you know, we'll, we'll definitely talk about this or have talked about this in the other podcasts, is because we don't know specifically how it started, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing the entire universe is just messed up. And obviously it can't stay this way. You know, it needs to revert back somehow. Um, so the, the thing is, if someone does die, what are the chances of them actually staying dead? Because um, just in issue two alone, you know, there is one particular character who is pretty messed up, who is pretty scarred. So um, the chances of that sticking, that, it's not going to happen. I, I can't see that happening. So it almost doesn't really matter because... I don't know how if it's going to be like a time travel thing or some cosmic, you know, infinity gauntlet something just says snap, let's go back to normal. Um, I don't know who would I want to see. I I don't, you know, honestly, I don't want to see anyone die because you know we are going to see some deaths. I'm sure, um, you know, the whole submitter perish, and you know we've seen some of the teaser covers and images. Um, I'm sure there will be death, but I one I don't. I, we have so much comic book deaths. I'm I'm tired of it. And then the, the fact that they never stick and then, you know, they, they do come back. So it's like, I don't need any more comic book deaths. So um, we'll have to see how, how it plays out. And I don't think Hank's going to gonna die because I, I think, you know, he needs to be around to, to bear the guilt or the blame for everything, even though, you know, that was so long ago and, you know, it's just a, an old story. Um, Caught Maw 5. Says I'm reading and loving both Avengers and New Avengers for Marvel now. I don't know much about Hyperion, so my question is: since John Hickman is writing them both in Avengers and Four, when they show Hyperion's backstory and the two worlds collide, is that related to what's going on in New Avengers? So yeah, I mean, there's there's going to be some some tie um, about the worlds. Uh, I'm trying to think what happened in the last issue of New Avengers. Um, I mean, with, with with Hickman, I I I'm going to go along the the line that that there is a connection for everything. I don't know if that's necessarily directly connected. Um, Hyperion can be a confusing character just because there have been different versions from you know different different um, realities. Um, so you know, just 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 we have to see this whole thing. You know what's going on with in, in New Avengers and that, but um, I I I just have a feeling that. He's not necessarily directly related to that, but I think at some point we will see some crossover between the two because um, the books are kind of you know separate for for a sense. You know, regular Avengers has a like a much bigger you know cosmic scope, but we're seeing big things happening in New Avengers. Um, Netzach four eight 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 says I was just reading Batman R.P. and couldn't help but notice the parallels between what happened between Batman. And Lump and Peter and Doc Ock. Just curious if anyone else happened to notice this. Um, so let me think about that. Um, Batman and Lump. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think who you're referring to. <laughs> um, okay, so I, I get the Lump was. Um, Look, I, I, when I first read it, I, I was like, is that Clayface? So he was like the big um, blobby guy that was um, – he's he was a telepath or something like that. He he was uh, from um, Apocalypse. 
and you know he so he was all, all deformed um he he was involved with the all the batman clones and you know he was um i'm trying to think what how it was he he uses telepathy to get um to to the grab or to utilize to to har- harvest batman's anguish um you know he he took his memories and everything and then put them into the clones which is how you know we saw some of the the the, the clones um as as far as a direct peter doc ock thing uh, uh i mean maybe a little but i i don't know um i yeah i mean someone else how do you feel about this um i don't i don't see a direct parallel but i i could see pieces of it just because of the whole mind thing and, and all that but yeah big al williams um again hey what do you think of the costume designs for the Injustice game comic? I thought some of them were pretty cool. If DC used some of the outfits in E52, I especially think Superman's outfit, which is much better than being used than what's being used now. Also, does Damian Wayne exist in Earth Two series? I saw a future previews of Earth Two debuting new Batman. If an older version of Batman or Damian existed, that was him. It'd be pretty cool. Well, as you know, James Robinson has said several times on the other podcast that we're not going to have the same character existing in both worlds. Um, so that being said, so for example, like Jason Todd, we're not going to see a Jason Todd in earth Two. the, the edict or whatever, whether it's official or unofficial or the, what they're going with, you're not going to see the same character in both places. So, um, even though Damien, if hopefully it's not a spoiler, even though Damien is no longer in the main DC universe, you know, he's dead that doesn't mean necessarily that he's going to pop up in earth two, I assume. So we'll, we'll have to wait till I think it's may when, when the annual comes out. Um, I, I don't recall if James said, we're going to find out right away who this Batman is, but I'm going to assume it's not, um, partly because with the world's finest with Huntress, you know, she doesn't know who Damien is, which doesn't mean anything, but it would, it would just be kind of weird if all of a sudden here's Damien Wayne, you know, um, and Helena never knew about him. Batman never mentioned him. So um, we'll have to see who and what he is, who or what he is. ZGuy91, hey, G-Man, I'm sure you've heard about the big Orson Scott card controversy. So I'm going to get your thoughts on it. Do you think DC was wrong to hire him, or do you agree with their statement that his personal opinion is his own business as long as he doesn't bring it out in his writing? Um, it's a touchy subject, and, you know, I, I get how a lot of people – don't want anything to do with it. You know, don't want to support it. Um, it's the same thing with, with actors. You know, you, when you go to see a movie, you're there to see the movie. And, you know, we, we, we touched on this on the other podcast before. So, you know, you're, you're there to see their, their performance. And when they're on the screen, they are that character, you know, who, what they do, you know, where they buy their groceries or, you know, stuff like that doesn't really factor into, their on-screen performance. So you can kind of say the same thing for a writer. When you're reading their material, um, unless they, they put their beliefs into their stories, you know, if, if they're just writing a plain old Superman story and they're, they're not trying to put their agenda in the middle of the story, then you know, you're, you're just reading a Superman story. Now, if that writer believes in certain things or doesn't believe in certain things, 
should that determine whether or not you buy the story? You know, it, it's 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 such a tough decision. And you know, as by now you should have heard that 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 story has been pulled. Um, I believe that was it. it was pulled, or he, I don't know if he decided not to do it, or you know, something like that. So you know, a lot of people are you know can can <laughs> take a, a deep breath, a breath of relief. Um, it's it's just hard to say because you know we got freedom of speech, but then there's this. It's like you know, what are you trying to say? You know, are you supporting this? It's it's such such a weird thing. Like you know, if if someone says they love coffee or someone says they don't love coffee, are people going to get offended by that? You know, if someone's in the coffee industry and you know that's where they make their living, so it's and I know that's not not a comparison with what you know his beliefs or, or speeches, but you know it is free speech. But then ah. Uh, I don't know. Um, that's why, you know, keep your private life personal. You know, I, that's why I, I try not to influence anyone with what I know is to be the absolute truth of everything of life, the universe and everything. So it's, it's, it's just weird. So it in, um, says, Hey, Jimmy, I have a question about the second part of green lantern annual before we see the guardians make their first soldier of the first army. We see a corpse without its heart. I was wondering, Oh, corpse. Without its heart, I was wondering, do you have any idea who th- that corpse is? Um, off the top of my head, I do not recall seeing that. So, um, I, I and since the story is not over, maybe we're still going to see, you know, what the deal is. Um, since a number of DC titles have been canceled, who do you think will get their own series? So, um, unless I missed it, I think there's there's only fifty books for the month of June. So it's like, where who's who are these other two? Um, you know, there's there's so many characters that still need their own series, and and we're seeing so many series that we're like, really, huh? So, um, you know, as as much as I love them, we don't need another Batman book. Even though I've said I'd like to have a an anthology, you know, Batman family book, or have the young Bruce Wayne adventures. But you know, there are other characters, and I'm, I'm not going to go off and just say you know Wally West, Donna Troy, Spoiler, and all you know Cassandra Cain, you know, but. Um, you know, what about like Plastic Man or, or you know, Elongated Man? You know, there, there's other ones. Doom Patrol. You know, there's, there, there are other possible characters. But there's just something. I think there's a problem with all these books coming out and then, you know, books getting canceled so much. Because there's a lot of books that have been canceled. And if you look at, you know, Marvel hasn't canceled that many books. So it's like. I get that they're putting, you know, and I, I brought this up before. I get that they're putting the pressure, saying, you know, you need to step up to the plate. You need to knock this out of the park, or you know, this series is going to be done. And it's unfortunate sometimes where they don't even try. You know, maybe it needs a different creative shift, or you know, maybe a different editorial direction. So it, it's, I don't think just releasing a, a series and then canceling it right away is is the answer. Um, in your opinion, how many books do you consider to be? too many books for a character to appear in. Um, what do you think is a reasonable number for character to appear in? Um, I, I do think Batman's in too many books. And I said, you know, that was a problem with death of the family. One of the problems with death of the family is, you know, there was just too many um, side stories and, you know, Joker was everywhere and it, it just, it made it seem impossible that Joker could be everywhere. And that's why people were suspecting that, you know, maybe there's multiple Jokers and you know, someone said that, you know, he was using boom tomb tech, boom tube technology to get everywhere you know it it was just too much and that is also the problem with with the events from batman incorporated number eight 
immediately following or taking place, um, you know, right when Death of the Family ended. And, you know, we barely had any time for any fallout to see, you know, the effects of Death of the Family because then all of a sudden now we got the Requiem storyline going on. It's other, it's, it was it's just too much. And you can't ignore a huge event like, you know, what happened in Batman Incorporated. But it's just that's the problem with having too many Batman books is – you know, he's supposed to be everywhere. He's supposed to be fighting all these different people. And you can kind of look at him separately because, you know, like like Batman Dark Knight is a little bit separate. You know, it's, it's in its own little, you know, dark corner of the Batman universe. But, you know, you can't have something happen and not see repercussions in the other books because then it makes it feel like it's not that important to Batman's character. If, you know, if it's not being felt or seen or noticed in, in the other books. So it's... I mean, as, as far as how many is too many, I mean, I, I think four is, is a good amount. Um, if Once you start getting more than that, it, it gets to be too much. And, you know, so we have, what, two Supermans, but we're going to have, a, we're actually going to have four Supermans books because, you know, we're going to have Superman Action Comics. We're going to have um, Superman Unchained, which I still don't like that name. Um, we're going to have Batman Superman. And then, he you know, he's still going to appear in Justice League. So it's getting to be too much. You know, I guess when something is selling, you have to do that to stay profitable. And hopefully the success of those titles can support the less successful ones rather than just killing those off. Um, Cantrip has a question. Again, um, if this is a question for everyone, but they're not here. Um, I want to say Comic Vine has been the first place I go to every morning when I get online. I work from home, so all your content keeps me amused and informed all day. That's great. That's why I like to have content go up in the wee hours of the morning. So when you turn on your computer, when you go there, you can see a new article, you know, from, from me or Greg or, you know, someone, you know, you'll see that, a video, something there. And, you know, that's my goal is, is every day, even on Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> that's why I work seven days a week. Um, you know, I, I want to make sure that there's something that you have a reason to come back every day. And I absolutely appreciate you coming back every day and, you know, tell your friends, you know, try, try to get them into, you know, checking out the site, whether it's watching videos, trailers, just hanging out in the forums, writing reviews, you know, just anything. Cause it's obviously it, it's, it's a big deal for us. Anyways. Um, first question. Um, there is a big fan request for characters like Wally West, Stephanie Brown to come back in a new 52. I know that with the new universe unfolding, we will see some characters arrive in their own time, but I had my own thoughts on which characters I would like to, to see come back and where, uh, first I would like to see Stephanie come back in earth Two. I think that earth two has a lot of room to give these characters to grow their iconic roles that the main universe has already filled for the foreseeable future. And as far as I know, there's no Earth 2 Batgirl, so why not Stephanie? What characters would you like to see come back possibly in Earth 2 rather than the main New 52 universe? I, um, As much as I do want to see Stephanie back, I kind of don't want her to be in Earth 2 because then, that, again, that, that completely separates her from, from the main universe. I like to still pretend that it's maybe possible she does exist she does currently exist we just we're not seeing her you know maybe she never was robin since you know she was barely a robin you know let's be honest about that um so you know maybe she is still spoiler and you know there just hasn't been any contacts because you know we haven't really seen adventures of when tim 
was working with, with Batman. So they, he could have still had his relationship with her. You know, she could be somewhere. Maybe she's focusing on school. Maybe she had her kid. You know, we, we don't know. Uh, that's so I, I like to, to, to feel that, that she is still there. And then at some point they will bring her into a story for some reason. It, it's going to feel kind of weird. It's like, why hasn't she been around before? Why hasn't she helped out? But, you know, it's just like when, when, when Tim was in the um, Jeff Johns Teen Titans series, um, you know, Stephanie wasn't, wasn't around. So, you know, I, that's, that's what I would say. And you know, with all these characters, yeah, they do have, you know, their you know, vocal fa- fan base. And, you know, I am part of that. But you also have to question, you know, how many people is that really? You know, what were the sales on Batgirl, Stephanie Brown's Batgirl, um, but, you know, before the New 52 happened? You know, I, it wasn't one of the top selling books. And, you know, I, I don't know the number off the top of my head. Um, so it's, it's like, you know, how many people out there are, are demanding her? How many people right now would, would buy it? You know, is it, is it 10,000 people, 20,000, 50,000, you know, 100,000? Because that's the thing. Us fans may be very vocal about it, but it doesn't necessarily mean we have the numbers. So, you know, they could put out a you know, new spoiler, Stephanie Brown, back or something series. Doesn't mean it's going to sell like hotcakes or pancakes or waffles. So that, that's the other question. And the same thing with Wally West. It's like, you know, if you look at The Flash before, you know, New 52, you know, he was married, he had kids, and it just felt like, you know, that, that's kind of like, like the sitcom killer. You know, when you bring kids into the show, it's a sign that the show's about to end. You know, what do you do with the characters? And it, it was an interesting storyline, but then the fact that him having the kids that, that grew and then trying to figure out what to do with them, and then, you know, he's supposed to have this, this public identity, which became a problem, and he's trying to protect his family. You know, Fantastic Four seems to be the only book that can can capture that family essence and it just didn't quite work for who Wally West should have been. So I don't know. It, it's, it's tough because I do absolutely want these characters to come back, but at the same time, I don't know if I'd want them in a new 52 world. Maybe, you know, that, that could be interesting, but you know, we're not gonna see Wally West there cause we already have Jay Garrick. So I don't know. It's, it's just, it's a bummer. Um, second question um, there are some characters I do not want to see return. This is a grumpy old fan of me talking, but some characters from the old 52, I don't want to see re- rebooted Catman, For example, Gail Simone revitalized this Joe character into a brilliant anti-hero anti-villain. I was tempted to follow suicide squad since the Catman deadshot scenes in secret six were so fun. However, I saw the new deadshot and read how he was written. I wasn't as interested in the book. It made me hesitate or hesitant to see what kind of reboot Catman would get. Same for Starman. James' run on the book set the bar pretty high for that character and completely and completed his story. I felt the end, the end of the story was done. I was okay with that. I don't want to sound like someone who's afraid of change, as I've been largely pleased with several changes DC has made, but I feel that some characters need to stay behind in the old 52. Are there any characters you would not like to see rebooted? Um, so yeah, I mean, there are some characters that I don't agree with, you know, 100%. Uh, you know, we, we all talk about Tim Drake and how some things just just feel weird with with how, you know, his, his past, you know, his last name's not even Drake. So, um, 
as far as characters that we haven't seen, I mean, it, it's going to be tough. Like when you, you take Cassandra Cain, because you know you do want to see her come back, but what are they going to do with her? You know, are they going to make it great, or are they going to you know completely change it? And and then if they do change it, you know, is is that better than not having her around at all? You know, there there's, you know, that's 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 the question. That's that's where you have to figure out. You know, you just live in the past with the old stories that exist or do you just hope and trust that they will do what is best for the character and not completely destroy, you know, what, what they were. Um, so I, Cassandra Kane is one I'm, I'm very concerned with, you know, what are they going to do with her? Same thing with Donna Troy, you know, see, she has such a, a history and the fact that she's not around now, it's like, what are you going to do with her when she comes? You know, I, I, I'm okay for some reason with Wally West coming back as a younger, you know, I said he should have been Bart Allen. He should have been Kid Flash in Teen Titans instead of Bart. But, um, I don't, I, I, you could do that with, with Donna Troy, but then that would be weird because we have, um, Cassandra, you know, Cassie Sandsmark, um, as Wonder Girl. So where is Donna Troy? Is she... You know, does she exist? Is she out doing something else? Because you know, it's possible these characters could be in some other part of the world doing something else. They could be fighting crime or just taking a vacation or, you know, who knows what. Um, so I, I'm, I'm concerned about Donna Troy, too. It's like, you know, what are they going to do with, with her? So I guess we'll have to wait and see. So I, I guess those would be my, my two big ones is, is Donna Troy and Cassandra Kane. I absolutely want them to come back. I am scared and concerned with what they're going to do and you know how they're going to bring them back. I would I would just rather that even though it might be a little weird, might be a little awkward if all of a sudden they say, "Hey, how have you been? Haven't talked to you in a while." And and then not just try to, you know, redo it, not just try to reintroduce them. Like, you know, who have we had? Have we had anyone that just recently popped in and then, you know, we, we had like their origin I don't. I can't think of anything. Anyone, but let's. Uh, I. I just. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> I'm just so nervous. Um. And a, the last question is from DC Fox. Again, he says, "What TV shows are you currently watching? What do you want to watch if you had more time?" So yeah, my my TV watching time is kind of limited. Um. You know, I'm I'm already behind on Arrow. Which I like the show. I don't love it. You know, I've 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 mentioned that before. So um, I'm 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 afraid I'm getting behind in Walking Dead now, which which is crazy. Uh, there's you know a lot of the the comic related cartoons. You know, I'm I'm usually a couple episodes behind on Young Justice, which is sadly now over. But you know, um, my daughter and I watch those. I'm, you know, I still watch Simpsons. You know, I know a lot of people don't like that. I'm way behind on that. Um, let's see what else. I'm one show I, I'm watching. You know, I, I do enjoy. I've mentioned this on the other podcast is the um, Elementary, the Sherlock Holmes show on CBS. Welcome home. I, I, I think that's a fun show. You know, it's it, yeah, it's it's network television, but it's it's fun. You know, I forget the actor's name, but you know him and Lucy Liu. I, I think they, they they have a good. Good thing going. Um, obviously, I, I want the other um, Sherlock show on BBC to come back, but that's not going to be till next year. Um, 
Let's see what else would I what I watch? Um, so I watch Doctor Who when I can. I sometimes get behind on that, which is again crazy. Um, oh, I, I I'm I am keeping up with the following the Kevin Bacon show on on Fox. It's it I I I do enjoy it. it you know, I, I'm not sure what the general consensus is if if people like it or don't like it. But you know, Kevin Bacon, Sean Asmore, um, I, I think it's it's great, and the dude that plays the bad guy, <laughs> it's 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 a really good show, and it's I I am so happy that we do have shows like that because it can't be a cheap show to make, and you know, just just with the actors alone and the locations and all that stuff. But I'm so glad that we have shows like that, and we don't just have reality shows because. You know, reality shows are cheap to make, and you know people, for whatever reason, watch them. So I'm glad that we can have an actual show. Um, I've been uh, saving up the Americans. That's on FX, and that's and I, I've only been hearing you know great things about that. So I I can't wait to start plowing through those. You know, if I had more time, but um, we, we're we're definitely going to watch those. Um, and you know what? What else is there? I'm I'm trying to think. Cause that's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You know, there's, you know, I I watch I I do watch Big Bang Theory, um, not just because it's CBS, but you know, I, I've been watching that since the second season. You know, I, I I totally missed it the first season. Um, I'm trying to think what else is there. Are there what good shows are there? Um, I'm so behind on, on a lot of the other shows that you know everyone talks about. So I got to catch up on those on Netflix. But I think that is it. That is the time for this week. So again, make sure you pick up Nightwing. It's crazy. I am so excited, even though you know it is bringing the character back. And some people might say, you, know, you shouldn't do that. You know, But it, it is a, a, a death in comics. So... And I, I just think that this is such a can of worms now to, that's being opened. I think this is going to be crazy. And I think this is exactly what Nightwing needs. I don't know exactly how it's going to work, how it's going to play out, how long this can go on. He can be a nemesis for, for Nightwing. But I think it's great because, you know, Nightwing does need, you know, who are Nightwing's villains? I think this question came up when I was doing this as the Ask and He Shall Receive videos. He doesn't really have that that big of a rose gallery, you know. He has his Batman villains, um, but they're not really his villains. So it, it's it's great to see that you know, and it's was, it was cool to see you know the Collector come back because you know he was in the Black Mirror storyline, but that was Dick as Batman. So um, I can't wait to to see where this is going to go. And having Nightwing in Chicago now, it's a new setting, and that will keep him apart from the Batman universe. Because it's the same thing with the, the same problems with, with the Batman comics, you know, where you're trying to see how does this all fit in? And as much as I want Dick and Gotham, and as much as I love him working side by side with, with Bruce, it is kind of, kind of nice to, to have him be in his own little corner. And, you know, we don't have to see a lot of stuff happening in Chicago. So why not have him there? But, you know, we'll just have to see what happens from there. So if you have questions that you would like me to answer, um, you can go to the general forums, look for the Ask G-Man video questions, because again, this used to be a video series. And I, I know I haven't um, done the shorter 
versions of the videos. I think I'm going to start doing those instead of the spoiler videos. So I mentioned that, um, you know, I'm, I'm never been a hundred percent comfortable doing the spoiler videos and the views have been good, but not as great as I would like. Um, but you know, they are, they are doing about, um, same as, as, uh, another video. Um, but yeah, I, I, it just doesn't seem like it's, it's worth my time. Um, cause I, you know, I, I guess it's just, it's a hit or miss thing, whether, you know, people care about the particular issues that do get spoiled. Some people don't want spoilers. So maybe I'll, I'll do something else instead of spoilers, but you know, cause I do want to do some sort of like comic book discussion video something. So we'll see if, if something else replaces that, but I may start doing, um, focusing more on the, the, you know, one or two question video, um, asking you shall receive in place of that. So you can ask questions there. You can also ask questions on Twitter, as I mentioned. So I'm G man from heck, um, drop me a at reply anytime. Um, and I, I, I think I'm pretty good at replying to everyone or most everyone when I can, you know, I, I, I don't want to ignore everyone. I, I appreciate you guys following me, you guys taking the time to, to talk to me, ask me questions. I'll do whatever I can to answer your questions. That's what I'm here for. I'm happy to do it. So you can um, ask questions on Twitter. Use the hashtag AskGman. It's all one word with the, the pound sign. And I will answer your questions on this podcast. The next podcast, uh, if all goes according to plan, is going to be ex- an exciting one. I cannot wait. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. So make sure you check that out. And then the following week, um, I don't know if there will be one of these, and I'll, I'll you know, can address this next week um, because so two weeks from now is, is WonderCon. So, or the following week after that. So whether or not I'll record one, this is like the longest outro ever. I'm sorry. But so I don't know if there'll be one um, right after WonderCon because it's, it's going to be crazy. Um, so, Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Send me your questions, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Goodbye. So, so my, question my question is, is who could it be? We don't know. I would like to ask you which comic book that's affecting you most emotionally. Yeah, yeah. That's the question. Don't shake your head. I love This is a John Byrne issue. I love Alan I, I, I wasn't a fan of this. That's the question. You can't blame the immediate creative team. I give this a two.